0: Welcome to Our Jewish Roots. The Word of God has given us examples of faith that have shaped virtually every aspect of the believer's life today. Where would we be without the examples of Noah, Abraham, and Isaac, David, and ultimately that of Yeshua, Jesus? Faith is woven into the fabric of America as well. From the Pilgrims, to John Adams, to Patrick Henry, and George Washington, God's providential hand remained highly esteemed and honored above all. Faith unshakable, faith unstoppable, faith of our Father.
1: We are so glad you've joined us today. I'm David Hart. I'm
2: Kirsten Hart.
1: I am Jeffrey Seif, and we are interested in looking at the faith of our fathers, correct?
2: Biblical and historical with our country. Everyone's walked through a lot of trials, haven't they? Both sets of fathers.
1: I think it's important to go back and look at the origins. I think people are losing sight of that today. That's
0: right. We begin today with Dr. Seif's teaching on faith of our biblical fathers. Let's go there right now.
1: The Hebrews refer to it as the Akedah. It's a story in Breshit, Genesis chapter 22 that records the story of the binding of Isaac, as you might recall, once upon a time, Avraham, Abram tied him up and then was going to plunge a dagger into his breast. (laughs) Faith. We're told it was a test of faith, he passed it, and we're good to go. Well, here we're looking at the story of faith, all right, uh, the faith of our fathers. And it's a reasonably good time to alight upon the fact that faith can prompt people to do things that are rather, how can I put it, interesting. the front end, I wanna look at what faith is in the first place, and if you'll permit me offering something of a corrective. Some people speak of the Jewish faith, or the Catholic faith, or the Lutheran faith, or the Pentecostal faith, the Islamic faith. The problem I have with that is I differentiate faith from theology. Actually, theological constructs come from a Latin dictum, fides Querens intellectum, which translates as faith in search of understanding. That is to say, someone has something resonating within them, and then they go into the biblical story to try and ascertain it and figure it out, and they come up with theology. Today, when we think of faith, we think of theological constructions. Uh, When I look in the biblical text, faith, when I think of Abraham, I think of someone that has a vision of a future. It's not reduced or translated into dogma, into doctrine. So it is today, when we think of faith, we think of philosophical systems. I think that's problematic, personally, not that I have anything against theology, per se, but faith is something different. Faith is something that lives more in the breast than lives in the head. It's not to say there's no residency there, uh, but faith sometimes prompts people to do things that don't make sense in the head. In fact, we look at it early in the game in the book Bereishit in Genesis, where it makes no sense at one level. Abram is such an older man, and his wife isn't much younger, Uh, and um, he is uh, concerned that he doesn't have a future because he doesn't have a son. But he goes out for a walk, goes out, takes a look at the evening sky, and we're told that he looks up at the stars in chapter 15. He hears the voice before that in verse 5 that your descendants will be akin to the multitude. Uh, He said, So shall your seed be. Subsequent to which, in verse 6, we're told that Avraham believed God and he reckoned it to him in effect as righteousness. That is, faith prompts him to, to, to orient himself in a way that doesn't make sense at one level. There is this. Uh, question about the future, but somehow God is gonna bring the future about. Faith is interesting, you know, you get past the 15th chapter here to the 22nd as I'd noted earlier, where then our hero Abram is beckoned to stick a knife in the breast of this promised child who eventually came. It's rather odd, isn't it? In Hebrews chapter 11, the author therein gives voice to the fact in verse 17 that there's a testing involved with faith. Well, what What is faith exactly? In this series, we want to explore faith. You've heard me to say at the outset that faith is, in effect, an inclination. It prompts. Sometimes it defies logic. It's something other than that. It's, in effect, an impulse that prompts people to do things, to orient in a certain way. Well, not only did faith prompt biblical characters to do things that didn't make sense at one level, And the Bible is full of them, whether it's Abraham to offer up the sacrifice of a son, whether it's Noah to build a boat before there ever were rainstorms that came upon the earth, uh, whether it is uh, hearing a voice from a burning bush and one solitary man, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, being told that he is going to go and bring about a great deliverance, whether it's King David. David had faith when you think he jumped into the fray, and there he was against Goliath, this, this gargantuan sort clad with armor, he had nothing but a slingshot and a few stones. He only used one of them, and he won the day now, didn't he? Faith prompts people to do things that other people are smart enough not to do, but you know, it's people with faith that move the world. Whether it's in the Bible story or our own American story, individuals that would uh, jump on these boats and come over to a new world that would traverse these seas long before it became common to do so. Can you think of the courage? And when they got to these shores, they just opened up and thanked God. It was a religious experience just to get here. We see that, I know I've taken pilgrims to Israel, and feel free to come with us. And uh, they'll clap when they land, they'll get down and kiss the ground when they get off the plane, when they have opportunity to do so. I've seen it, I've felt it, I've done it, you know, just so happy to be there. Well, that's a few hours on a modern airplane. If you can just think in antiquity, what a long journey. What would propel people to do that? And what was the end of their journey at one level was just the beginning more and more came, and then they had to forge out a world in the new world, and it took faith to do just that, which is one of the reasons why when you look at the literature of the founding fathers, uh, faith text, it's ubiquitous therein, prayer and praise, uh, petitioning the divine, looking for heaven's help for earth's dilemmas, and God only knows they had plenty of them then, as they were pressing against the uncertainties uh, that are entailed in forging out a new world and a new part of the world, you know? But we have these intrepid, bold explorers who did it, Well, when I think of the faith of our fathers, I'm reminded of those inclinations, but particularly, I wanna remind you of the fact that their faith was informed by Judeo-Christian values and virtues, informed specifically in biblical literature, and we wanna look at that story. I've mentioned some already here at the outset, whether it's David, whether it's Moses, whether it's Abraham, and there's plenty of others as well, individuals who through faith, according to Hebrews 11, they overcame all kinds of adversity. Well, those who came to the new world had that faith in their mind's eye, and they went forth and did great exploits. And I hope, as you look at this series, You not only learn a little bit about the Bible and a little bit about America, but I hope you find something in it that can help you as you're busy pressing up against the uncertainties of your own existence and wanting to see God move on your behalf as you and me and as we walk in the footsteps of the faith of our fathers.
0: Our resources this week, the book, America's Godly Heritage, by David Barton, This book details what the Founding Fathers intended for America and what can be done to return to its original guiding philosophy. Or Zola Levitt's booklet, Israel, My Promised, an intensely personal and heartfelt look at Israel, one of the most misunderstood lands in history. Contact us by calling 1-800-WONDERS or visit us at levitt.com. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website levitt.com for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, There, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember, we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. For many, a trip to the Holy Land is the dream of a lifetime. The Bible truly comes alive as you see the sites where so many biblical events happened. Come on a Zola tour to see Israel in Petra. See the land of the Bible for yourself. Contact us to reserve your dream of a lifetime. When you return home from a trip to Israel with us, we like to say that your Bible and sermons literally are in living color, they come to life. So we would love for you to join us. We go both in the fall and the spring. You can find all the information on levitt.com.
2: And last time we were in Israel, remember we were uh, out touring all day, we came back to our hotel room, turned the TV on kind of just for fun and to relax. There was this program, Our Jewish Roots, all three of us, Jeff in living color in Jerusalem. in Jerusalem on the TV. Isn't that exciting?
1: It is, and you never know where it goes. But you know this, if you put a dollar and send it our ways, you know where it goes. It goes to telling the good news through the eyes of the Jews all over the world. When I think of the faith of our fathers, I'm reminded of the fact so many people are losing sight of it. It's less a political issue for me than it is a spiritual issue. Let me thank you in advance for helping us tell the story. You never know where it goes, but we know this, it goes all over the world.
2: We love to tell the story of the faith of our founding biblical fathers but also the fathers that walked before us to found the foundation of this country. Unfortunately, many right now in our history, in time right now, are trying to rewrite those foundations. They're trying to rewrite our story. Our program, Our Jewish Roots, is known for our wonderful dramatic reenactments. Let's step back in time now to colonial America and consider the faith of our founding fathers.
0: In the formative days of our nation, there were some who thought it important to remain loyal to the British king. Others rejected the monarchy, favoring liberty. Among them, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, George Washington, Ben Franklin, patriots all. They would boldly proclaim that the truths of liberty were self-evident and endowed by their creator. Meanwhile, there were still others in Philadelphia, unknown figures in history who considered the godly direction of the Founding Fathers vitally important. So clear and
3: yet profound. Unless this house is built on solid ground, it will surely fail. But will we recall these precepts? We must. Lord, please, please continue to guide my hand, that I might clearly transcribe these extraordinary words of wisdom and virtue, and guide my steps this day to those who need to hear them. my pleasure. It seems you've been given a godly task.
2: Must be, sir. I feel so unworthy. I'm good with needle and thread and I cut well with scissors, but this is also new to me.
3: I believe Mr. Payne has said it well. These are the times that try men's souls. It's new to all of us, giving birth to a new nation. It's not just you. We're all feeling dependent on God's providential hand as we... Consider the blessings and the consequences that await us.
2: When the Congressional Committee called upon me, I knew this would be a noble effort. I've gathered the cloth that I believe would be suitable. The white will offset the red nicely, I believe. It speaks so well of purity.
3: Is this your design?
2: No, sir. It was actually given to me by the Committee. It is actually much like the continental flag, but the 13 colonies will be represented by white stars against a field of blue.
3: Betsy, I've assembled some quotations that I've personally transcribed in my own hand. A a collection of thoughts and prayers from those who've shared a godly spirit in this undertaking. Thank you, sir. Some of these noble men have passed away for many years now, though their Christian legacy lives on. Some are members of Christ Church, as are you, though all of them are men of great integrity whose faith, I believe, must be woven into the fabric
1: of our formative nation. The Founding Fathers were prolific writers. Many of the original documents still exist. Historian and author David Barton has collected tens of thousands of these writings in order to present America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on our moral, religious, and constitutional heritage. I had the opportunity to speak with David about the faith of our fathers. I have long been interested in the Jewish origins of the Christian faith and have lamented that people have forgotten about that, but of course that was 2,000 years ago. You, David, have long been interested in the Christian origins of America and have lamented that people forgot about that, yes?
4: And it's only been 200 years since the American founding, per se. It's actually been 400 years since the principles were embedded. But even at that, going back 200 or 400 years, that's like being a teenager in Israel. You know, that, That's a really young time for them. And yet there's so much in the American founding that points back to really the Jewish heritage and history. Our founding fathers extensively quoted Old Testament passages. Um, they even modeled the American Republic after the Hebrew Republic. So there's a lot of camaraderie there.
1: So you're a guy that's really dug into principal sources. You've been interested in that as an individual. I'm interested in the first two centuries of the Christian era. You're, you're interested in, in 200 years back and digging around that world. Uh, but out of that uh, uh, inquiry of your own has developed a ministry, Wall Builders, correct? What's that all about?
4: Wall Builders is a name taken from the Bible book of Nehemiah, and it talks about how the people rebuilt things that have been torn down in their nation. Um, Old Testament history, if you didn't have a wall around your city, if you were unwalled, you had no protection, you had no strength, you had no significant name. And so we see in the book of Nehemiah that after the walls has been torn down by the Babylonians, 70 years later, Nehemiah comes back and said, let's rebuild so there will no longer be a reproach. And in our case, we look at what we don't know about American heritage, what we don't know about the American Constitution, American faith, and we say that needs to be rebuilt. So our, our mantra is, that we present America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on our moral, religious, and constitutional heritage. Hey, I'm,
1: I'm all for that. Nehemiah, Nehemiah in Hebrew means God comforts. A lot of people have been discomforted by that this revisionist approach to history that wants to ferret out biblical references and orientation.
4: What's more important than anything else is knowing truth. And when you know truth, as in the Bible, you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. When we study David, there's the good part, there's the bad part. He's not a very good father. And there's the ugly part, where he murders Uriah and sleeps with Bathsheba. And American history is the same. As long as you have people, it's good, bad, ugly. But we actually own primary source documents that show all of that. Uh, We have about 120,000 documents from before 1812, which is back in that American founding period. And so from that, we're able to say, hey, here's what truth is. Modern narratives today are often, often very misguided. Some are deliberate, some are just out of innocent ignorance. They don't know better. But that's where going back to the actual said, no, here's what actually happened. Here's the description, here's the document, here's what they actually wrote. Truth is the most important thing.
1: There you go, in truth, in Hebrew, Emmet, it's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the middle and the last it's the sum of everything that's real and true and authentic and to your point about primary source documents it's an academic term uh, to go back to the original sources how many do you have again that go back to that era
4: more than 120,000 from before 1812
1: so it's not just conjecture you dig into those sources you bring forth and you've written books uh, take a moment i know you brought some books that you didn't write but uh, and we'll get into all of that but uh, tell me about what you've done so people that want to uh, you know, get into what you've brought forth from those documents can learn.
4: I, I kind of feel like I'm a vicarious American for most Americans because I went through the same education system most of us went through, had the same knowledge, really the same lack of historical knowledge about original documents. And so over the course of the years we've been doing this, turned out more than about 40 books, but they deal with different topics. Right now with the culture we have, which is so much canceling and destructive, and we had just finished a book we started three years ago but it turned to be perfect for right now as we see so many folks being rejected because we don't know who they are but we think there's something bad. Um, we've covered their narrative and their stories. So whether it be on, on what the courts do, whether it be on what the church is supposed to do or what pastors used to do and should do today. or whether it's just on the truth about american founding heroes we have a lot of materials on that
1: and the website's available and it, it's up on the screen and and i'm just so thrilled to commend you to the world not that you need me to do it in fact i heard a, a clip from uh, ted cruz saying that you can say more in 30 seconds than most people can say in 30 minutes he was singing your praises that to your uh, your energies your uh, inquiry into the primary sources has gotten the attention of people all over the country, yes?
4: Well, it's interesting that primary sources is what so much policy was supposed to be built on. When you go to, we've been involved in a number of cases of the US Supreme Court. When you go to the court, you're saying, here's what the original ten of the Constitution is, here's what you're supposed to uphold. But if they don't know that or if they have bad history, they'll reach bad conclusions, bad decisions. So good history leads to good policy. And so we're involved with legislators all over the nation, both the state and federal governors as well, state boards of education, writing history and government standards, et cetera. So original sources help establish truth, and that's what most honest people want is truth. Agenda-driven, that's not their issue, but for honest people it is.
1: You know, people want to tear down statues today, I get that. But, you know, uh, they're going to have to tear down buildings because so many of our principal buildings in law and what have you are just, they have biblical motifs all over them. They're going to get rid of that if you don't like it. They
4: do, and that's one of the things most people don't understand about America, even as there's so much that we complain about today, is we are a unique nation. Over the course of, of the world, and today there's more than 190 nations at the United Nations, and you look at those nations, the, over the course of the last several thousand years, the average length of a constitution in the history of the world is 17 years. That's what most nations average. We're well over two centuries and going strong. Most nations average a violent revolution every generation. We had one in 1776. So we're very unique, we're very different, and the question becomes why? And interestingly enough, even in in the modern era, uh, political science professors at the University of Houston, who actually did this book, this report, they said, where did these founders get the ideas? Because there's millions of books out there. There's hundreds of thousands of philosophers. Which ones did they use? Because they came up with something that other nations aren't experiencing. And so they collected 15,000 writings from the founding era. They said, we think if we can go through and look at those and see who they quoted, One knew who was important to them. And so they did, and they found 3,154 direct quotes in those early writings. And they tracked, it took them 10 years, but they tracked everyone back to its original source. And what they found was the single most cited individual in the American founding was this guy. He's a French philosopher, uh, Baron Charles Montesquieu. He did the Spirit of the Laws in 1750. Founding Fathers relied heavily on him. The second most cited individual in the American founding was a guy named William Blackstone. He has commentaries on on the laws of England, and we use that. Thomas Jefferson said that American attorneys read this like Muslims read the Koran. So this is a big big deal to them. The third most significant source was John Locke's Two Treatises of Government. In less than 400 pages, he cites the Bible, references over 1,500 times. But quoted four times more often than any of these works, 12 times more often than this, was the Bible. The Bible was the single most cited source in the American founding. 32% of all quotes came out of the Bible. That is the foundation for America.
1: Perfect, and speaking of the faith of our fathers, there it is right there. More to come. Thank you, David. My
0: pleasure. David Barton will be with us this whole series. Pretty incredible, all of the artifacts that he brings to this table through the series.
1: David, I was shocked, you know, I knew he had a lot of stuff. I didn't know he had all that, and that he brought it, it was like, wow, on steroids. I was impressed.
2: Well, you can't disprove the proof of a physical document, and that's what he's loaded with. His whole ministry has proof after proof after proof. You can't rewrite something that's right in front of you. Yes,
1: the long arm of the pen reaches beyond the grave, and you get a window into what those founders were all about when they were living and breathing by the testimony they left in their own writings.
2: And we talk about that of the founding fathers of that testament. Every tour that we take to Israel, we go to Yad Vashem. It's, I, I don't even say it's one of our favorite places, but it's, um, it's, it's a heart place. You have to go. Right, yeah. we have to go there, but it's, that's physical proof that the Holocaust existed, and people are trying to rewrite that history that's also. That's
1: true, and Jews, we say, never forget, and we should never forget, and we are forgetting, the foundations of America, thus the value, in my opinion, of a series like this.
2: Right, and, and the Jewish people, it's very interesting, and we'll learn more in the series, you'll learn more in the series, how Hebrew, the Israelites, are kind of tied into America, a lot of, with the founding fathers.
1: And let's talk about a founding mother, by the way, or a little bit afterward. The word in Hebrew for mother is ema. There was a woman, Emma Lazarus. I don't know if you recall that name or if the expression, the great colossus, means anything. That's the Statue of Liberty. And there was a poetess, Emma Lazarus, who wrote that plaque, the statement, bring me your tired and your poor. Emma was a Jewish woman who came to the new world to escape the problems of the old one. So many Jewish people came to this culture, to this new world, and left an indelible mark on it. Case in point, a mother, Emma, Emma Lazarus. That torch is held high of freedom, and it reminds people coming to this new world, and we're gonna be reminding you throughout this series of the Jewish people that had a part in our early Christian heritage.
0: That's good. You just gave us a little Hebrew lesson. I learned a new Hebrew word this program, emet which is truth, correct? Did
1: I say it right? You said it perfectly like a native. It's truth. (laughs) Yes, yes. And we're
2: gonna bring out a lot of truth in this whole series, truth that people have forgotten. And it's sitting right in our Constitution. There's biblical truth, there's biblical foundation in the lives of our founding fathers. I,
1: I, I've said as a professor, now here I'm standing in a, sitting in a TV set. Uh, I stand behind a podium as a school teacher, seminary professor, and I tell these students, you know, as a Bible teacher, you don't need to create new things. You need to teach what's old, what's been forgotten. We open up the old book and tell stories in it afresh.
2: More coming on the series, it's a new series. This is our first program in faith of our founding fathers.
0: Right now we have a song by our founder Zola Levitt.
1: And also we have a word from the scripture, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim.
2: Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. To me,
0: your gentle words of hope, mercy and love without end. Me, hear heaven's voice, fill the